Hi, I'm Christopher Stewart, CPD and Clinical Editor at Chemist and Druggist. In this podcast, I wanted to find out more about hub and spoke technology. To do this, I spoke to Andy Beasley from Robotic Technology, a company that focuses on compliance aids and pharmacy automation. Today, I'm speaking to you, Andy, so I can get my head around hub and spoke. So this is something which was very much in the pharmacy headlines about a year ago, and it's been in and out of it since then, but not with the same sort of impact as what it first had when it first came out. So is it still around? Is Hub & Spoke Pharmacy still on the cards for a lot of companies? Very much, Christopher. So Hub & Spoke um, is effectively just a way of doing efficient uh, dispensing within pharmacy. So if you have 20, 30 branches of of your pharmacy group, then uh, an efficient way of uh, managing that dispensing is to bring that into a central location that you own. Uh, and and manage larger volumes uh, with with some technology uh, and get get you a great greater level of efficiency for doing that uh, as well. That would be hub and spoke in a sort of nutshell. That the automation and sort of making it bringing it into the central. So if you have as you said twenty to thirty pharmacies within your your chain, each one of those pharmacies is a spoke, and they get the prescriptions in and they send it to the central hub. Yeah, there are there are two modes of operation. Really, one is where the uh, prescription stays with the spoke pharmacy, and the spoke then uh, owns that customer relationship uh, as it does today. But instead of it assembling it at the back of the shop, uh, that work is is in a sense sent to a, hu- a central location, our hub. Uh, and the hub therefore assembles it on behalf of the spoke. It'll probably then send the items back uh, to the spoke to be sent on to the customer. That's one operation. Another operation is where you actually move the prescription to the hub. So uh, initial uh, customer contact would be through the spoke itself, uh, but we've then, in a sense, reallocated the workload from then on, renominated it or nominated it through to the actual hub, and the hub does the work from then on. There are definitely two operations both are active in the UK. In terms of how it differs from community pharmacy, so obviously this isn't a patient-facing role. There might be some aspect of speaking to patients from the from the hub, but how else would you say it differs from your bog standard? Oh, but principally, if you look at a, a standard pharmacy at the moment, obviously you've got what we might call the front of shop and back of shop. So you've got the dispensary at the back, which is doing work based on what comes over the counter, the acute prescriptions, but it's also doing work on repeat prescriptions. Repeat prescriptions are often about 60% of the pharmacy's workload. That workload is known about beforehand, is predictable for the next month as well, and therefore you can manage that workload. If you are part of a group, uh, that group can therefore manage that workload into another location like a hub. By applying technology into that hub, uh, and, and different processes, therefore what you gain is a level of efficiency. So what changes in the in the spoke, therefore, is there's less work to do there. It's being assembled somewhere else, uh, and therefore you can make some different choices about what happens in that spoke. What other features would be present in a hub pharmacy which aren't typically in your high street pharmacy? Yeah, so features being... In Something like, what... um, for instance, like the... Deep blistering machine. Okay, okay. So, so the, the, the benefit of moving that workload from one spoke to the hub is that actually you're likely to do that with 10 or 20. Therefore, what you've got is a larger workload in the hub than in one single pharmacy. A larger workload means it's much more attractive 
uh, to bring technology to bear, whether that is the blistering technology, whether that is a large uh, dispensing, pack dispensing robot or a compliance aid robot. You've got the volume you can apply to that. Therefore, um, what you've done is, is what manufacturing does all the time, is takes it into one location and provides a, a set of efficiency against, that, against those processes. Let me say that better. That's fine. <laughs> we get to that as well. So, uh, so by bringing it together in one location, because we can apply technology to that, apply different processes to that, uh, and because we've got the, the larger workload, uh, suddenly we've gained a greater deal of efficiency. And this is what you see in car plants, what you see in pharmaceutical um, manufacturing all happening in one location and this is what you can do uh, as well um, you know technology in this level of uh, automation is, is, is where obviously the world is, is heading whether you're in uh, Sainsbury's down the road uh, you know self-serving uh, your, your groceries or what I've just done today in terms of parking where I parked and a, a, a camera took my license plate I paid directly with the machine I never saw a person in terms of doing that work the world is changing in this general direction so what I'm sort of picturing from that is these are pharmacy chains which have like 20 to 30 pharmacies within them instead of having a deblistering machine um, and a robot within their pharmacy which is not going to be particularly cost effective. They can have one or, or two of these in a massive hub setting and it saves them from having to spend money in that sense. Uh, and that's that's exactly right. So so again, uh, by bringing that workload together, you've got you can apply a level of uh, cost, uh, you can apply a level of efficiency and automation to that process, giving you cost effectiveness of the technology. Where actually, uh, you will see around the country, you know, we have various pack dispensing robots already. Uh, again, in a central location, they would be busier and busier, of course, because there's more workload. So I've ever I've never actually worked with a pack dispensing robot. I've worked with a few different robots, and at times they were a handful. And um, just working in the in the dispensary, of course. But with pack dispensing robots, how how is that? How does that work really? <laughs> okay, so the whole point of a pack dispensing robot is it's speeding up the assembly process of original pack. So again, if we look at our possibly 60% of your uh, workload being repeat dispensing, a good proportion of that will go out as original pack, two or three items on a regular prescription. Um, so instead of you going to the shelf and collecting the items, potentially making a mistake and picking the wrong box out, the robot's job is principally to bring that to you, uh, potentially already labelled, allowing you to check it, bag it, and pass it through the process. So that's the that's the job of a pack dispensing robot overall, and that allows you to get greater and greater volume um, through 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 the, the uh, dispensary. That leads me to sort of some of the concerns with the hub. Obviously, we have a robot which will pick the item, potentially label the item. It negates the need for a dispenser in many cases. So what can you say to sort of pharmacies who, you know, in the community who want to sort of ensure that their staff, you know, continue to be their staff and they're not made redundant and obsolete? Uh, of course. So um, automation uh, within pharmacy um, is, is going to reduce the, the quantity of, of, of staff that you need to, to do the same workload. That's, that's what automation always does. You know, if you look at a car plant, there's a lot less people in a car plant than there was 30 years ago, for instance, uh, as well. But what 
what we do with those people that uh, are not doing those mundane activities anymore uh, is really much up to the pharmacy group. So do we find better health-focused, customer-focused activities for them to do, which seems like a great thing to try to do. And clearly we need you know, government income to support those sort of new services. Do we find new ways of using the pharmacy on the high street as well? These, these are important questions to be answered. But the key thing, I think, is that productivity you know, has to come, and it is coming. There are many pharmacy groups across the country that are implementing technology like this to improve their productivity and regardless of whether we think this is good or bad this is clearly something that's going to happen. As you're going around and helping people introduce this hub and spoke technology into their practices have you seen this in practice? As we implement um, uh, systems across the country, across pharmacies, uh, in, in all locations, uh, I say the pharmacy owner will make some changes about what they want to do with those teams as well. So often they, the roles do change and they become more customer-facing. So we go out to care homes, we go out to care agencies, we maybe contact the local hospital, and those things I've seen happen, yes, as well. Because I think uh, pharmacy opening that front door and being more out uh, in the local community, in the local health community especially, is a great thing. And I'm I know many, many do that as well, because the dispensary where people are filling trays, for instance, you know, hour by hour, is not a great use of trained staff from a health perspective overall, where machines do that thing very, very well. So we've talked about this example of maybe 20 to 30 pharmacy chain are owned by the same person. What sort of size of pharmacy is this, is this aimed at? Is it a one size fits all or... No, no. So, um, so we we offer two different types of uh, automation technology. We offer the pack dispenser we talked about before, uh, but we also offer compliance aid automation. So this is where you may well be doing blister trays in your pharmacy, and, and basically there are technologies now that allow us to fill those trays either as a tray or as, a, as an alternative tray as a pouch solution as well. Now those machines are going to do that job. You know, well, a pouch machine will certainly do 16 people an hour through that process uh, overall, where your member of staff may only be doing two people an hour uh, as well. So we, we have to look at those efficiencies uh, overall. I forgot your question. My apologies. <laughs> um, sort of like what, what size of pharmacy? Oh, what size of pharmacy. So um, because, uh, because the, the systems are variable in size, so uh, from a compliance aid system, for instance, it could be as, as, as small as a single pharmacy. And we have customers who have bought one for a single pharmacy. But often it's, it's two or three pharmacies uh, in a small group. From that size up to 1,000, 2,000 pharmacies, you know, certainly in those sort of numbers uh, as well. Uh, and obviously they would require different types of technology, but it's, you've got to have the range of technology to offer them. One thing which confused me a bit, is the role of the responsible pharmacist in this in the hub and spoke in the hub and spoke model? Yeah, so I came in the spoke and I sent it to the hub. Yeah. Another pharmacist and the dispensers and the different technologies are used making that up comes back to me and I'm handing it out to a patient. Where does the responsibility lie? Okay, okay. So, so we have to uh, be clear that actually uh, the responsibility lies actually in two locations and that's always a bit confusing overall so basically there are two locations which are doing a job and they both have to do that well uh, as well so uh, my view would be that the the clinical check is happening at the spoke 
okay uh, and uh, in that activity we're checking making sure uh, that prescription is a valid uh, prescription uh, overall and that clinical check is happening there at the spoke we're then sending the, the work off to the hub to, to be assembled now it's very important the hub is checking to make sure what it's been asked to do it has done and it clearly has a responsibility to achieve that as well and then the items are coming back to the spoke now if i hold legal responsibility for this I'm probably not going to allow it out of my branch without me doing a further check uh, as well. So in essence, probably the check is taking place in two places right, uh, overall, but there's an automated process, and those automated processes and machines are, are very, very accurate as well. So at the time, uh, you may start checking absolutely everything comes out of the hub, and what we've seen with customers who've done this is that the, the spoke pharmacies do spot checks later. Uh, once they're comfortable, the process is sound, machines are fat, sound, and the, the, the staff at the actual uh, hub are doing a very good job. So it depends. But legal responsibility probably still retain, is retained with the spoke pharmacy overall. Yeah. So in the hub itself, they're doing uh, sort of QC. And all, yeah, they're basically going through, they've got 50 prescriptions, they check three of them in that 50, and these are all... They'll check everything. So and we, we have systems now which have um, vision checks in there. So when we're assembling trays or assembling pouches, we have a machine that's physically taking photographs of every item to check it's absolutely the right number of pills, the right type of pills, the right colour of pills. Everything's checked uh, as well. So everything is checked within the hub um, to, to a very, very high degree. The accuracy levels are very high. But at the same time, you know, when you send it back to the spoke, there's going to be a tendency because it is my responsibility to do some checks on that. So it's very much that we have analog in the digital age. The uh, well, it's it's always the way. I mean, again, um, you know, the, the key question uh, is is about efficiency. Uh, I think in this, and this is something the government has certainly raised, is about efficiency within pharmacy. And even though uh, you know I don't agree with a lot of things the government's done over the last twelve months, uh, the concept of whether ph pharmacy could be more efficient is clearly one they've put on the table. And I would agree that there are things I've seen. Uh, across the UK when we visit lots and lots of pharmacies where actually we could be more efficient. It is as simple as that. And part of that is, a, is adopting a hub and spoke model because that's going to get that volume of work in one location and we can apply um, assembly line type processes and get that accuracy uh, correct. One of the concerns I had about with the responsible pharmacist, in terms of if we're doing um, repeat dispense and say we're creating um, items up for a care home, that tends to be quite a reactive thing. You, you hope that the people are getting the same medication for a long period of time, but there is always the opportunity. Change happens. Change happens. Absolutely, change happens as well. And how do you cope with that? Uh, <laughs> so you struggle just in the general community pharmacy setting. You, you've got your boxes made up and you look over at them and a tear runs down the face. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, look, um, so, so of course, if you start to uh, send something off to another location, one assumes that it might be geographically close to you, but still another location, uh, and and things change. Well, the process, the hub and spoke process, has to cope with change because change happens regardless of whether we want it to or not, uh, as well. What you hope for uh, in this process is that the the majority aren't changing, and that is probably most likely. Uh, as well. So if the majority doesn't change, I've done that work. I've reduced the effort involved in doing that particular work. So I'm dealing with the, the few percent that will change on a monthly basis. Now, now, either the hub has got a reactive process of coping with that, and I think that's something we could look at, 
or you allow for some some uh, assembly of activities or things to happen actually in the spoke itself or in, in the branch to cope with those activities. Because again, as you say, your care home clients or your care agency clients, who knows who it might be, uh, will need to be able to uh, change things because doctors change things, don't they? And I assume this will then continue to provide things like sort of short notice antibiotics. Yeah, 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 exactly. So when we talk about things going to the hub, we're definitely not talking about acute prescriptions because acute prescriptions are just, you don't know they're going to come in. You don't know what's going to come in, of course, uh, as, as well. We really are talking about chronic conditions. We are talking about repeat uh, prescriptions, really. Something you can manage, basically, rather than the things that you can't really react to overall. And we're talking about helping you know large pharmacies in small spaces. You know, I, I've been to pharmacies more recently where, you know, uh, they have 15,000 items to cope with and they're very tiny dispensary and they're looking for how do I cope? You know, because they know the volumes are continuing to increase as well and how do you cope? And the only way really of coping those things is to shift some workload and that's where Hub and Spoke comes in. Um, you mentioned sort of the government's ideas about Hub and Spoke. Um, I wanted to sort of look at more the relationship between the government and the Hub and Spoke. It, 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 about a year ago it came into, well, it came to me. I hadn't really heard much about it. I'd seen it a bit in practice in smaller community groups, sort of doing for like nursing homes and working for nursing homes and things like that. And it's always been something I've struggled to get my head around, like what the government, like they're pushing for it. Um, they're pro Hubble Spook. Keith Ridge, the chief pharmaceutical officer, was in favour of it. Yeah. Why is it no longer sort of in the, the sector headlines? Oh, you guys will stop talking about We've it. We've talking about it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It hasn't gone away uh, overall. If, if you look at um, some of the discussions clearly um, that, that have been had and, and some of the scare stories. So there's this, and I can never say the word, Amazonification, yeah. <laughs> almost that, <laughs> of, of pharmacy. Yeah. That's not going to happen. I'd say it's almost a ridiculous statement as well. You know, a book. Uh, my CDs, the videos I want to buy are not the same as my, my medicines. It's just not the same concept at all. Um, you know, it, it, to think about the same things, you know. So I, I don't see uh, that type of company coming in. Right? So who's going to do big hub and spoke? Well, it'll be the people we already know. The very large companies are likely to do this. Uh, they're going to do this for themselves. They'd like to, I'm sure, do this for other people as well. Uh, as well. So... I think the uh, the government's position, uh, if it started from this kind of one or two places around the country going to do this, it makes no sense to that. Our view is there's likely to be four or five hundred hub and spoke systems across the country operated by the people we already know uh, as well. And that is certainly what is happening as well. Large groups are creating their own hub and spoke because it makes uh, oh, it makes uh, commercial sense, basically. Uh, as well so this is what's happening so it's not gone away it's just you stopped talking about it <laughs> I think one of the reasons that it wasn't talked about as much because there was a lot of a lot of talk about sort of a push towards allowing independence to come together to yes. form a hub yeah. and that never got carried through essentially and because of that it sort of went off the radar yeah so if you if you look at um, our, our, our pharmacy uh uh, pharmacy in England uh, today, for instance, uh, uh, there's about 12,000 pharmacies in England. And if we think about them in thirds just for the moment, just to make that matter a little easier. Uh, uh, so uh, we've got very large groups. We all know the names, the uh, Company Chemist Association type members. Um, uh, we have the kind of middle ground 
uh, and we have the small independents. When we're talking about hub and spoke, we're talking about the large and the groups. Uh, we're not talking necessarily about the independents because, as you say, there is a legal problem with them helping each other out uh, in an area with a hub and spoke. They're not allowed to do these things at all. And you're quite right, that's what was dropped across the summer uh, in terms of discussion, and that hasn't come back on the agenda for discussion. I don't know whether that is something that will come up again uh, overall, but if it doesn't, then the smaller independents, because they don't have necessarily the volume of, of branches or the volume of items, are certainly at a disadvantage. Uh, and therefore, I think maybe the further, there would be a push to allow them to work in local um, groups for this basis as well. And I think that would be a good thing. Would you think there, would you believe, or do you think there is still an appetite for small independents coming together? Yeah, and, and you know, we we end up talking to all different types of pharmacies, and we certainly end up talking to small small groups or independents as well. And there's there's definitely an appetite they talk to us about in doing that uh, as well. But the rules prevent it uh, at the moment, um, and the rules prevent a number of things happening in this area. So, for instance, it prevents large wholesalers coming in and doing it, which would may change the marketplace. It prevents you know delivery firms coming in and change. It, there are lots of reasons possibly the rules are in place, and uh, you know again it's probably still in discussion about what might change in the future. Um, just on a note, what you spoke about earlier, you said like the Amazon Amazonification. See, I can't. Yeah, I, I, I can't say it. Um, I can write it, but not yeah. say it. But in my experience, like patients would uh, love that. Like for instance, like they have to sign for packages delivered from Amazon in the pharmacy. I, I've worked in several pharmacies, which will just put it through the, yeah. the post box, which is obviously not allowed because you don't know who's picking that up on the other side. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure patients would be happy with that obviously there's ones who'd like to come in and visit the pharmacy but yeah and, pe- and people will uh, you know that kind of convenience uh, uh you know it, it is always a key piece uh, as well and clearly there are models already of um uh you know uh, internet pharmacies in the uk and you know they are they're going very well as far as i can tell basically as well all of those those larger um independents that do that often they have technology to support them uh, as well, because they're aiming at much larger volumes overall. What evidence is there that Hub and Spoke is an effective means for pharmacy? Well, uh, earlier in the year, this was one of the conversations that the NPA had, and that, that their view was there wasn't really any evidence for Hub and Spoke. Uh, my problem with that statement is that um, you know we, we, we live in a world, from a pharmacy perspective, where we're looking for clinical evidence for lots of things, of course, uh, as well, and so we should. This is not clinical in a sense. This is operational, and this is about commercial necessity uh, as well. So in the same way that Microsoft doesn't tell IBM its secret plans and, and provide it with evidence that helps Microsoft grow, or Apple and Google, or whoever you want to do, you know, if there is evidence uh, of an appropriate nature within some larger groups about how beneficial Hub and Spoke is, they're not going to share it with anyone. They're going to use that. They're certainly not going to help them to their competitors. And this is the issue. So there's plenty of evidence about it. You're just not going to be able to get hold of it uh, to prove it to yourself. That makes sense. <laughs> Can you describe examples of how introducing a Hubble Spoke model has been cost-effective for one of your unnamed customers? 
Of course, of course. So we have um, customers in Scotland, uh, and they have three three pharmacies uh, in the Fife area, uh, and uh, they introduce a pouch system. So a smaller robot that does compliance aids, uh, but the, with the the pouch system, um, and uh, they brought the workload in from the other two. So effectively, on a Monday, he would do one pharmacy, on a Tuesday, a different one, Wednesday, a third one. Then he'd rest because that's the work done uh, as well. And by doing that, he released about 80% of the time that was previously used um, for, for, for doing compliance aids in those other branches. And by the way, they were also running out of space to do them. One was busier than the others uh, as well. And that saved him real money. Now, of course, um, Three pharmacies is a small number, but it shows you that oh, even with a very small pharmacy, he could make it pay on that basis as well. And he felt automation was the right thing for him to do. That was Andy Beasley discussing Hub & Spoke technology. If you have any thoughts about Hub & Spoke, contact C&D at haveyoursay at chemistsanddruggist.co.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>